0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast.
1: Well, thank you very much. Where did you all come from? Wow, I, I sat down, this was half full, and <laughs> you all have turned up. It's great. Well, it's just tremendous. Haven't we had a great time? Just tremendous. Wherever Jesus is lifted up, you know, lives are changed. Wherever the gospel goes out, lives are changed. Miracles happen, and we have every confidence that this afternoon Jesus will do that again amongst us, because he's here. And the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And, uh, you know, sometimes you feel, you know, uh, full of life, and you're at the beginning of a meeting or something, or beginning of a series of meetings, and uh, you know and you, you know you 're really ex- excited and expectant, and God does great things, and other times you know then you 've finished you 've done a whole load of ministry, you feel tired, I feel tired right now, but nonetheless, Jesus is just the same, and he just moves nonetheless and still does miracles and changes lives in the in most amazing way. So, um, what I've I've asked a, a couple of the team just to share some testimony, and and you may have seen these guys around, and they haven't had too much to, uh, too much to so say. I can't have all of them to come and share. Uh, we'd all be here a, a long time, but um, I've asked that Justin will give his testimony briefly, and I've asked that Sarah will. I've both given them just five minutes each. Now, I do pray if you believe in miracles, because we do, <laughs> because you know whenever you let evangelists loose. Uh, you know, time becomes an issue. And um, so, so I've, I've asked Sarah if she can just share her test me first. I right, try to run the principle of ladies first. And so she's going to share first for five minutes and then Justin's going to come. Shall we give him a warm Cambridge welcome? Thank
2: you, Sarah. Good afternoon, Which is wonderful. Um, yeah, I got five minutes and that is a big challenge for me. And how I got from being um, one of the people that have been spoken about um, these last couple of days, somebody that was walking around looking reasonably okay, um, but pretty broken inside and feeling pretty worthless. And how I got to the position of filling one of those squares. Anybody that saw the jigsaw picture that um, Martin held up this morning, if you wanted to link to Mission 24. How I got from where I was... To, to filling one of those spaces in the jigsaw has just blown me away. It's been amazing what the Lord can do if we give our lives to Him. Um, my story goes back quite a long way, really. And as a child, I was, well, I was born. I was born um, with pretty bad feet, um, a bit like the man that Gate beautiful, um, born lame. Um, and I didn't think I was going to walk very bad. club feet. Um, the right one, foot at right angles, and many operations affected the length of the leg and the feet and my balance and all kinds of things. And as a child, I was, I was teased with how I walked. Kids would run behind you and mock you and tease you, and uh, a lot of time in hospital, and um, so pretty isolated, missing school and so forth. This was rather compounded by my problems at home with my parents' marriage, um, a lot of difficulties there, and eventually my father leaving home before I was really in, in my teens, when I was around 11, but had been missing a lot of the time anyway. And so I didn't have many friends at school, just a few single friends rather than a group, because I didn't know anybody else that had divorced parents. And so life was try- quite tricky. So I broke up uh, well, grew up fairly isolated, and as life went on, I eventually met a nice young man and we married and um, quite quickly and unexpectedly we were moved overseas and then moved several times and there was a lot of work and a lot of pressure and things got quite difficult and and things started to break down and I was suffering in my health and eventually after a great deal of, of difficulty I walked away because of my health and I spent 23 years um, asking for forgiveness, because I knew God. I didn't know the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about much about the Holy Spirit at all, or, or Jesus. But I had taken myself to church a bit. But um, yes, it was difficult, and, and I, I walked away. And I, I really just thought God would, could never really love me if I, I could walk away from a marriage. And these twenty-three years of asking for forgiveness. But there came a time when um, I was asked by another friend, Joanna, she's at the back, um, lovely sister in Christ, uh, to go up to Hull to hear an evangelistic conference. I didn't know they still existed. Um, And there was Jared Cooper and Nathan Morris and Jonathan Conrath speaking in Days of Wonder. And this was a great revelation to me, but she had the foresight to give me a a book by Rainer Bonke called um, Living the Light of Fire and also um, Angus Buchan's book, Faith Like Potatoes. Well, one morning at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning, I thought I'd just have a quick little read at um, Living Life of Fire. At five o'clock, I was still in my bedroom. I hadn't moved. I turned every page. and was absolutely wowed. I hadn't eaten, I hadn't drunk, I hadn't gone anywhere. And that started to change my life. So I was a little bit prepared for what I might find or might hear or see at um, the conference. And the first time, although I was already in my 60s, um, I heard um, the gospel preached where I was expected to give a response. And I didn't know any of this. And I was down the front so fast. The city hall in Hull is a big old Victorian building and we were up in the top gallery. And I was down at the front so fast and that's the first time I really saw Johnson close to, But he was, I was just a, a, a mass of people. So a hand went on me as he went along the line. And I gave my life to the Lord. But I didn't know at the time that I remember adding totally. And so it has been. And then I got back to my church. And I gave him all a hard time. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And, and I, I just felt this little curl of Holy Spirit in me. And, and it was just amazing. Um, I started helping with night church We're, um, which is a, an outreach in the city of Chester um, late in the night um, with Messy Church and various things. But I was hungry for more and really wanted more. And so I was up and down the Internet by early 2015, really looking for something else um, that I would learn more and could reach, get closer to God. I really wanted to know more. So I was up and down the Internet trying to find that man that sound made it sound so um, realistic and, and just for everyone. And eventually, having the Lord, I think, had me going see how determined I was, I found Jonathan's uh, page. And there was an impact week coming up, which some of you will have heard about if you were here this morning. And I thought, can I do that? Could I go on that? And, yeah, I could. Um, I prayed into it. And down I went to Peterborough in March 2015. Your pastor was there on the Thursday night. And all through the week, I was in tears a lot. And I just, I just didn't know. I now realized it. The first time I'd really prayed for forgiveness um, all those years ago, the Lord had forgiven me. And a lot of our stuff, all the rejection from my, my um, home life and from my husband and so forth, all came pouring out. And I just had no idea that it had affected me so much in my life. Uh, and many things happened. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit Um, I was given the gift of tongues Um, on the Thursday night for the healing ministry night my right leg which was shortened as I'd said earlier um, grew out and that just really wowed me I mean I was just in tears it was just amazing and yeah life was starting to change and having been in tears of a desperation at the first part of the week. I was then in tears of joy the second part of the week. So poor Jonathan and the team um, I had this wailing woman <laughs> most of the week. Um, but it was amazing. <laughs> yes, he's nodding here because it was true. It was. Um, but, yeah, it has been an amazing journey since then. And then I, I prayed and, you know, what to do, Lord? What do I do now? Could I do any of these things? And after five weeks of prayer, I eventually put my name forward to go on one mission at Cleveland. Uh, Grimsby and Cleethorpes, which was the first outdoor mission of, of the year in this country. Um, and one of the other guys was on, on that uh, Impact Week as well. Alan, he's had to leave, but you'll have seen him around. He was on, on that um, team too. Uh, my, I arrived at the cinema, which was the first meeting place, with my knees knocking and terrible butterflies in my stomach. But... Um, yeah, it was fine. If you step out in faith, the Holy Spirit steps with you. He never steps ahead of you, but he steps with you. And I didn't know what I was going to say, but the words came. And he's just been amazing since then. The things the Lord, the people he's put in front of me um, to pray for and pray with and the things I've seen. It has been absolutely awesome. So in 2015, I was blessed and privileged to go on quite a number of missions. Um, and last year, too, I was in Uganda on the mission in Uganda. You heard about if you were here last night. Um, But it is all about fixing your eyes in Jesus and giving your life to Jesus totally and just walking in faith and obedience and keeping close to the word. But he's changed my life totally. But I would add to all of that that it is the healing on the inside I received that week that changed my life. I mean, having my liquor out and see something like that was awesome. But if I just received that, I would have gone home the same inside. And it's inside that changes our lives. Amazing healing. Um, And I really thank God for all that He's done in my life.
1: Thank you. you. Bless you, sir. Wow. That's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful testimony. And uh, thank God. The Lord loves every one of us. And um, I do want to say if you are interested in joining us on missions, like Sarah and some of the others. And you, you may notice with the team, you know, we have different people who join us uh, with the teams. Uh, we have a, a few guys who work with us full-time, part-time. There are others who just join us now and again when they can and take a bit of time off work. Um, some of the folks are sort of age where they're kind of retired. And um, I, I don't believe in being retired. I believe in being re-fired. And, uh, and, and I just think, you know, as long as you've got your body, you ought to use it for the kingdom. I mean, you can only go on so many cruises after all, you know. So uh, you might as well, if you're going to go on a cruise, go somewhere and win another nation to Jesus, you know. So, you know, but, um, yeah, I I just come from a family. My great-grandfather, you know, lived up to 100. He was still preaching the gospel at 100. And uh, and I reckon that's a good way to go. So, um, you know, I never planned to retire. So, um, you know, but the thing is this, I I, I think there's a... You know, it's great we get young people come out on mission with us as well. I, I love that. And uh, But we have people all different ages and all different backgrounds, all different denominations. Um, you know, I, I sometimes people will say to me, well, John, you know, I, I think maybe I'm too old to go or I'm this or that or the other. I always say, no, of course you're not. You know, uh, there are some missions that may not be the best for you to come on. Uh, maybe a bit dangerous for you. Maybe you know we're going up a, a mountain somewhere or something like that. This may not be the best for you. So I'd just say to you, don't go to that one. Go to this one instead. Uh, so, but you know, I think they kind of expect that you know when you go on mission, you're going to take all the all the young, beautiful ones, you know, all together. We'll, we'll kind of present this kind of um, Christian Aryan race you know, <laughs> to the world, you know, as if everybody's got everything together, everybody's perfect. And That just isn't that isn't reality. Um, And besides that fact, you know, the reality is that everybody out there, there's somebody out there who's just like you. So everyone here has a testimony that can reach somebody. So, you know, I, I just want to encourage you, regardless of, of your background or what you've been through in life, you know, Jesus can just turn your life around and just uh, do an amazing thing in your life. And, and when he sets you free and he heals you up and restores you and uh, fills you with his joy in his life, you know, you just really, if you've got the real deal, you just want to go and tell others about him. You know, it just concerns me when people claim to know Jesus, but they've got no desire to tell anybody else about him. I just don't think they've got the real thing when it's that way. So um, anyway, but when you really meet with the laws, you want to tell others. So, um, but it's absolutely fantastic. I, I can tell you, I remember that first night when, um, when Sarah came up there to Grimsby because that meeting, there was uh, a lady who came in with two fellas around her. She was a prostitute and was fairly well known in the area. And she brought two guys with with her who were both drug addicts. And at the end of the their standard way of living up there was, was that, you know, every night they would, they would go out and they'd get plastered, you know, and then they would get up to no good, you know, most of the night. And then, you know, they would take some drugs and try and forget the whole thing. And then the, the whole thing would start again the next night. And, and that's how life was for them. And I can remember that, uh, you know, they, they wandered in a little bit high. <laughs> they wandered in to the meeting. And when they came into the meeting, this was their, I only met them the next day. And they came to see me. You would not know. I've had the privilege of leading a number of prostitutes to the Lord and and people from mafia and, and drug dealers, all kinds of people like that. And I tell you what, it's amazing when you meet people that Jesus has changed like that. And unless they told you, you would not know. There's just not a whiff of the past on them. You really wouldn't know. And with this, even only 24 hours, the change in her was so dramatic. You wouldn't have known. As she came in. She came to me the next day. She said, John, I just had to come out and tell you. We, only, we came in here. We heard the sound of the music outside. We came in. We didn't know what it was. She said, but we were drawn by the love. I said, when you stood up and you said you were going to talk about Jesus, we kind of thought, where's the exit? <laughs> <laughs> he said, but as you continue to talk about the cross and the love of God, she said, we didn't actually feel any note of condemnation. We just felt that there was hope for us and that we could be changed, that actually there was a God in heaven who loved us and would forgive our sins and set us free. So so when you gave the appeal, I remember they ran down the front, all three of them together. They all gave their life to Jesus. And they said, you know, after the meeting, they said, we're we're just not used, you have to understand. They said, we're not used to going to bed at half 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So they said, so for us, you know, we just went out on the town I said, but there wasn't much open, you know, so we ended up in McDonald's, and we're sitting at McDonald's, she's having a milkshake, you know, and, and a Coke, and we're sitting there into the early hours of the morning, he said, yeah, sitting there at this McDonald's, he said, looking at each other, saying, you know, what's happened to us, normally we're, You know, high on drugs and up to no good, you know, in immorality. And and here we are, you know, God is meeting Jesus um, and we're just talking to each other at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning about miracles and how Jesus changes lives, sipping a milkshake. She said, you know, (laughs) what?" but amazing, Jesus really does change lives. So look, I'm going to invite Justin just to come and share a bit more, and then I've got a particular word for you to encourage you this afternoon. I believe, not only for individuals here this afternoon, but I believe as a church, God is taking into a new season, and it's going to be characterized by acceleration and by miracles and breakthroughs that are going to come at a rate and in a remarkable way in which you have never seen before. I believe we are entering into a season of increase and acceleration. I want to preach it and encourage you there's a new word over you, over your life, and over this church for a new season. And so God bless you. I'm going to be sharing that in a few moments just to give Justin a warm welcome. Come on.
0: You know what it, when an evangelist looks at his watch, do you know what it means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I want to start by this. I want to read you one verse from Isaiah chapter nine. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. The family that I was born into, I was born to parents who lost their first born son at 16 months old. Died in their arms, choked to death. My father could not say his name. He couldn't get his name out of his mouth for two years. The pain caused by that loss gripped his heart. He was a very bright man, intellectually. He was a microbiologist by, by training. And he was a very proud man from South Wales. And I believe that the tragedy, the tragic death of his firstborn son, entrenched in his heart a deep, anger towards God. A God that he said that he didn't believe in. And so I grew up aware, even as a small child, that there was like a shadow, like a dark presence in the house. I didn't know. I couldn't, dis, I couldn't tell you what it was. I just knew. I was aware of this presence, like a heaviness. I was brought up to believe that there wasn't a God I was brought up to believe that when you died, that was it. We were just molecules in motion. At the age of 16, I was able to leave home. I went and studied my A-levels away from home at a very liberal college of arts in Devon called Dartington. Known known for its immorality, drug-taking, and interest in Eastern religions and occult practice. And it was there. That I continued a life of sin that I'd started as a a, a younger teenager. I used to sleep around a lot. I used to drink, I used to get drunk regularly. There's a good use of a student grant. I used to smoke 20 cigarettes a day. And yet deep inside, you know, people would say to me, Justin, are you having a good time? And I would do the kind of party animal face. Yes, great. But actually, deep inside, there was an emptiness and there was a loneliness. And actually, I was really quite down. I used to take this stuff to try and lift that off. But actually, deep down, I was really depressed. And then a mate of mine in our second year of A-levels decided one Sunday with his girlfriend to go to a local church that they'd heard about. And he came back from this church, telling me things about church which I found hard to believe. Because even though my parents, this is bizarre, even though my parents didn't have a relationship with God, I was sent as a child to be in the church choir. I was quite musical. I was head chorister. So they come back and they say, you'll never believe this, Justin. He said, it was great. I mean, I laughed. I was really mocking. You know, I gave him a really hard time. They said there were guitars, there were drums, there were microphones, people singing. He said it was great. The music was great. And he said the people were really lovely. There was something genuine about them. And then he said this. He said that when he walked in, there was like a presence. He didn't know what it was, but it was so good he was going to go back. And that got me really intrigued. And we carried on having discussions. And you know what? I just thought, you know what? I need to go and check this out for myself. You know, I, could, I can mock all I like, but actually I need to go and check it out. Little did I know that that kind of sense of drawing to go and check it out was fueled by the fact that there were at least nine people praying for me by name. So eventually I got to talk to the guy that led the church. And the guy that led the church listened really carefully to me as I explained what I effectively what I've been brought up to believe, indoctrinated with brainwashed with, and as I shared that, the guy listened very graciously, and at the end, he said, Justin, thank you for sharing, I've heard many people who believe very similar things to you, can I take two minutes to tell you what I believe, and really shortly, and really briefly, he just said this, he said, you know what, Justin, God really loves you, that's the truth, he really loves you, it was God that created all of us, and everything around us. He really loves you. He knows everything about you. And the reason why you don't know him at the moment is because you're separated from him by what the Bible calls sin. It's just living life without God and doing what you want. And, of course, when he said that, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I was aware of my sin as he said that. I I knew I was a sinner. It was just putting a label to it. And then he said, here is the good news, Justin. God loves you so much that 2,000 years ago, he sent his only son. He came to show what's possible for one person in right relationship with God to live like. And he said at the end of his life, he laid down his life willingly out of his love for you and died on a cross. Not for anything that he'd done wrong but because of the sin in your life and my life, he said. And then three days later, because there was no sin in his life and because Jesus had paid the punishment for your sin, God raised him from the dead and he is alive right now. And he says, if you ask him to forgive you, he'll forgive you and he'll come into your heart and he'll give you a brand new start. He gave me a little piece of literature and he said, take it away. He said, if, you know, if this is the truth, pray and ask God. To reveal himself to you. Two nights later. February 1984. Two o'clock in the morning. My friend turned in the back of his Bible. Which he just started to read. And he read the second half of 1 John 4 verse 8. Which says this. God is love. And as he said that. I was filled. From the top of my head. To the soles of my feet. With wave after wave after wave. Of God's love. And it went on. For the next four hours till six in the morning. And I knew in an instant that I'd been forgiven for my sin. And I knew that this was God's love. And my life has never been the same. I've become what the Bible said, born again. My spirit had become alive to God. And I've been baptised with his love. Amen. Baptised with his spirit. I hadn't asked for it. But my heart had opened to him as I received his words. The truth of God's words.
1: Bless wow. Amen. Wonderful. 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 God is so good, isn't he? All the time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this afternoon. We thank you for the wonder of how you transform lives, of how you've transformed our lives. Thank you that you're here by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, as we do so often tonight, Lord, that you would touch every heart, that you will give miracles to those who need it, that you will set people free, and Lord, that not one person under the sound of my voice will leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life, in Jesus' name. Just a very quick advert before I do uh, preach, um, just to say we are doing a Uh, A conference, a day conference in the Jubilee Church Life Center in Grantham, and that's going to be taking place on the, thank you, 17th of June, on the 17th of June, the signs and wonders and the power of the gospel. If you'd like to come and join us, it's only 10 quid, but it's going to be a 10 quid well worth spending. It's going to be a whole day of teaching, training, activation, and encounter with the power of God. So it'll be a great time. Please come along and join us. It'll be great to see you. Why don't you turn with me in your Bible to Genesis 1. That's where we're going to start. Are you all right? You feel good? You're full of fire. Amen. How's your head doing? Good. (laughs) This guy's been really being touched by the Lord over these days. It's really, really good. Wonderful. He was just saying, so God just touched him uh, this morning, and uh, as I prayed for him, he fell out under the power of God, and as he fell down, he whacked his head on this this hard stage. And I was a little bit concerned for him, and uh, so prayed for his healing at the same time <laughs> as he went down, and then, uh, anyway, so I was just asking how his head was, and he just said, well, it knocked some sense into him, so, so bless him. <laughs> He's a great guy, but anyway, he said that he returned back to his apartment and uh, this afternoon, and uh, he said that the enemy, because the Lord's been setting him free from some stuff, he said that the enemy was furious with him. And he said, uh, actually, uh, he said kind of you know, manifested himself and went after him. He said, but anyway, he said he put him in his place. So that's that's good. He's learning to take his authority in Jesus' name. That's great. Listen, I just want to share a, a few words I want to share with you about the power of the Word of God in our lives. And I want to share with you concerning what I believe God wants to say to you, that you are entering into a new season. And I want to begin this in Genesis 1, just because whenever God starts something new, he starts with a word. Whenever God does something new in our lives, he starts with a word. Even when we get what the Bible calls born again, as Justin was sharing with us, he starts it with a word, with the good news of the gospel. In 1 Peter 1, 23, you don't have to turn there, but the Apostle Peter says these words. He says, you have been born again of the by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Amen. And so when we hear the word of the gospel that Christ died for our sins and rose again, and if we acknowledge him as Lord, believe in that, We will be saved, we'll be forgiven, have eternal life. When we hear that and receive that, that word, God literally goes to work at bringing about a creative miracle in our hearts and in our lives. We become what the Bible calls new creations. Old things are passed away and all things become new. It is impossible to really genuinely receive the word of God and not receive faith. If you hear the word of God, if you genuinely hear it, it will always create faith in you. It will always create something new in you. It will bring healing to you. It will bring freedom to you. It will bring cleansing to you. It will bring revelation and understanding to you. It will bring the salvation of God to you. It is absolutely life changing. The word of God is the DNA of God. It's the seed of the king and of his kingdom. And it's the way that God works. And so we find in Genesis 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For those of you who are of a scientific inclination, I don't want to be sidetracked by this, but the Bible never tells us when the beginning was. So, you know, don't let that be a stumbling point to you. The Bible doesn't tell it when it was. It just tells us that God created in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And look at it, it says the earth was without form and it was void or empty and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. It's very interesting, you know, that uh, this is actually well before the sun was created. The stars were created. So there was light before actually there was a sun and before there were stars and and other planets. We find here that God created light in the midst of darkness. And you know, let this be an encouragement to you that whatever you're going through in your life this afternoon, if it seems to you as if there is just darkness over what is, over your life and your life feels empty and null, void, empty, and there's darkness. Let me just say that even in the midst of the darkest and emptiest existence, the Holy Spirit is hovering over that, over that life, waiting to bring forth something new. And God speaks, and when God speaks, He brings forth light. He brings forth salvation. One of the words when the Bible talks about light, it can be translated as revelation. When God brings light, he brings revelation. In a spiritual sense, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the revelation of God. Our spirit, when we hear about Christ, our spirit is lit up, as it were, with light, with revelation. Suddenly we see it. You sometimes hear people say, I saw the light. You know what they mean? It's like, and they say, well, the penny dropped. It's like they saw the light. It's like the light was switched on. I had a gentleman here earlier today who we just prayed with, who's on a journey, wants to come along to the Alpha course uh, here. And he just, you know, he was, he, was full of so many questions and philosophies and all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, I just said to him, do you know something, Leo? I said, you know, sometimes before we know Christ, it's a bit like being in a room that's pitch black. And, and, you know, you could be standing in the room and you could say to me, John, will you tell me about what's over there and what's over there? I said, but you don't even know where you are in relation to anything else because you're in the midst of darkness. I said, you don't even know where you're standing. You don't know where everything else is in the room. And you're saying, will you explain everything to me? I said, the easiest solution is to turn the light on. I said, when you turn the light on, suddenly you see everything. You have perspective. You know where you are. You know what's going on in your life. I said, that's exactly the way it is with Christ. The Bible says Christ is the light of the world. Faith is a choice. It's as easy as not to believe as it is to believe, but you have got to make the choice. If you choose not to believe, then you stay under judgment. If you choose to believe, you receive grace. I said, the choice is yours. But when you say yes to Jesus and say, yes, I choose him. The moment you do that, the light comes on. Suddenly you understand. I said, it's a spiritual thing. And so this is the reality, is that God brings his word to us, and with that word comes light, comes understanding, comes revelation, comes order, comes creativity, comes life. Everything changes when the word of God comes. And God is bringing new life to you. Where there's been hopelessness, there is hope, and there is life. Now I just want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 1, because it's very interesting. We have a number of scriptures that speak of the beginning of the world, how God made everything and how God brought everything into order and that everything that was not how it came into existence. And, you know, John says in his gospel in John one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And nothing that exists, existed without him. All things were made through him. And he says this, the law came through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Amen. What a saviour. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the only human being. If we can use that terminology, God became flesh. God became a man in Christ. Sin entered the world through a man. Sin had to be put out from the world through a man. Redemption had to come into the world through a man. It's why it's interesting in 1 John that one of the main evidences of the Antichrist spirit is the denial that Jesus has come in the flesh. He had to be fully God or his blood could not cleanse us from sin. But he also had to be fully man, subject to all the temptations we go through yet without sin. So that on that day of judgment, when it comes, no human being will be able to point the finger at God and say, you can't judge me. You don't know what it's like to be a human being on this earth and go through all the sufferings and all the kind of stuff. Because he will say, yes, I do know exactly what it's like. Yet I lived without sin. That's why the Bible says that God has appointed a man by whom he will judge the world. Jesus Christ and has given evidence to all. Of whom that man is by raising him from the dead. Christ is our life. Amen. And then it goes on here. We find here in Hebrews chapter one, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He upholds all things by the word of his power. His word has healing power in it. His word has power to turn your life around. You know, uh, I think it's Kenneth Copeland who has coined the phrase, one word of God, one word from God can change a nation. You know, one word from God can turn your whole life around. And today, maybe you're sick in your body and you need a miracle. Let me tell you that Jesus Christ, who is the word of God, and Jesus who has given us his word, and as we speak it in his name, will bring healing and bring release into your life today. I want to uh, give you this scripture. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, would you for a moment? You know, sometimes when you're in the middle of something, it can seem like, It's taking an awful long time for change to come. Anybody ever been there? You know, you're believing God for something. You're praying for something. Maybe you don't yet know God, but you've cried out to God to help you in the midst of a difficult situation. And it can suddenly seem as if, it can seem to you as if you're, there's a long time in the answer coming. But you know, God doesn't work on our time scales. And suddenly you get these moments throughout the Bible that we like to call the suddenlies of God. And in the midst of your journey, there is a suddenly from God. And God suddenly comes. He suddenly speaks. He suddenly acts. And everything turns around. Everything changes in a moment. I believe that we are in such a time that our God, who is a God of acceleration, a God of increase, is turning the season. Amen. He is speeding things up. It's a time of acceleration and of breakthrough. And we find here this account here of the centurion servant. The centurion was not an Israelite. He was not in the covenant of God as existed at that time with Israel, but he comes here as a Gentile man. And and the Bible says in Matthew 8 verse 5, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Shows us the great heart of God to heal people. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Can I just stop for a moment and say this? I find many people who fail to receive answers from God because it's as if the hand of their faith to receive from God, to reach out and receive from God, is paralyzed by shame, paralyzed by guilt. And you know, we've all sinned and we all need forgiveness. We all need a savior. And thank God there is a savior. Religion will never save you. Just trying to turn your life over, have a new leaf, like at the beginning of a new year, and think, I'm going to do better now. Let me just say, the trouble with all of that, sometimes you get these people, You always meet people who think, well, I'll weigh up the good deeds about against the bad deeds, and hopefully the good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, and God will let me into heaven. Can I just say, part of the problem with that is, you never know when you've tipped the the, the scales in your balance. But quite apart from that, the Bible is very explicit. It says, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin isn't going to church. So <laughs> when you see some people come out from church, you think it was. But, but let me just say to you, the wages of sin is not going to church. The wages of sin is not trying to live a better life. The wages of sin is not fasting. The wages of sin is not being confirmed or having a priest sprinkle some water on you as a baby. The wages of sin is death. You can't just change your life and think that God, you know, that God has just forgotten about all of those sins. Can you imagine this, you know, my my family. I come from a family of lawyers and business people, and all of that. I've had to do uh, present a few cases in myself in law courts. I, I, you know, I tell you something. Can you imagine standing up before a judge, and you've committed some heinous crime five years ago, but you haven't repeated it since, but you've never stood judgment for it? Nonetheless, here you are. You're caught finally. You stand before the judge. All of the evidence of your wrongdoing is read out. But then you stand and give your own defense and you say, I want you to know your lordship that I've lived a very good life over the last five years. I know I killed that woman, but I've never repeated it. And so I don't really see why I should go to prison for it. I mean, after all, you know, I've, I, I've lived a fairly decent life. I've even helped some old grannies over the road. And, and you know, quite frankly, I think I'm quite a reasonable person. <laughs> what do you think the judge is going to say? Guilty. Take him down. <laughs> you know why? Because your good works do not... Do not clear the record of your bad works. The price of sin is death. God set the price. The incredible thing is, is that God met it. The Bible says God's judgment of us is based on his righteousness. Now, a lot of us, we judge other people based on our own views. We based on uh, people on the level of our behaviour. I find even amongst the criminal fraternity, I've led quite a lot of criminals to Christ, and I find even amongst criminals that they've all got their own personal morality. Oh, it's true, I break into people's houses, but I've never stolen a car. Yes, I've never committed adultery. Yes, I've slept around with a few, but different people. But I've never committed adultery, so you know, it's all the same. It's all the same. Even the secular statistics say that anyone who sleeps around before they're married is 70% more likely to commit adultery after marriage. 70%. That's a secular statistic from our government. That's not a Christian statistic. 70%. They recognize you cross a moral barrier inside yourself. Something happens inside you. Think about it. But you know what? God can restore you. God can change everything, he can turn your whole heart, and make you a new person inside. And so this is the amazing, this is the incredible good news of the gospel, though, that even though we all deserve judgment, we've all been caught red-handed, we've all sinned in thought, word, or deed. There's nobody who hasn't. I've met a few who think they haven't. You know, you may have heard me share that before on some stories. I, I have. I, I've met some people who think that they've never sinned. It's incredible, but they haven't. I always ask them, can I just ask you a few simple questions? So Sure. You know, this happened to a businessman just last year, in his three-piece suit, very educated, successful man, wearing his Armani outfit. And he stands there, and he hears me sharing Christ with someone else, and he was very aggravated. Finally, he approached me and said, Jonathan, I want you to know I'm a very good man. I said, I'm glad to hear it, sir. He says to me, you know, he said, I... I've, I'm married to one woman, I've raised a good family, I, I've always been honest in my job, and I pay my taxes. He said, I, I need no forgiveness, and I don't need your Jesus. <laughs> I said, I see. Well, I said, first of all, can I shake your hand? It's very rare I meet perfect people. And uh, I said, I've, I've never, its fine." I said, I've never ever met, uh, an, you know, a perfect man except Christ, and, and uh, it's wonderful to meet another one. I, I said, can I just shake your hand for a few moments? Uh, I said, anyway, look, um... I said, look, quite apart from that, obviously you don't want to hear anything I have to say. You don't feel the need of any help or forgiveness, so um, I don't want to waste your day or your time. I said, but just while you're on your way, you know, off to whatever you're going to do, I said, maybe I could just leave you with a few thoughts to consider as you go your way. I said, the Bible says that the law was given to us to expose our sin, to show us our need of Christ. So the law of God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hold up God's law in front of you for a minute as a mirror. And maybe you'll look at yourself and see yourself in a different light for a moment. And maybe at the end of that, you might think that maybe you do need Jesus. But here we are. So I don't want to be heavy or anything on you. But let's, so let's forget about the first commandment for a moment because no one keeps that uh, perfectly every day. So every day's people need forgiveness. I said the first commandment, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. So, so I said, the truth is nobody loves God with all of their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength 24 hours a day. So I said, so everybody needs forgiveness every day. He's our creator. He's worthy of love and worship and, and our total, total adoration and obedience. So I said, so we all need forgiveness. So I said, but look, just forget that one for a minute. I said, um, I said, let's just pick out a few. I said, so the law of God says, um, you know that you shall not murder. He said, "I want you to know I have never murdered anybody." I said, "I'm so pleased to hear that. So, That's great." And he said, "But in fact, Jesus went a bit closer to the mark, and he said that if you hate somebody in your heart, you've already murdered them." I said, "Have you ever, perhaps, you know, been cut up by somebody going round a roundabout, and you were really, you know, and something slipped down to your mouth, or something like that? And you're just, you know, or maybe that partner in business who did who diddled you, or, or you know, or whatever, or maybe even inland revenue. I don't know." <laughs> So, well, well, I said, oh, well, let's just move on. I said, you know, how, how about this one? I said, you shall not commit adultery. He said, yeah, I want you to know I've always been faithful to my wife. I said, so pleased to hear it, sir. And then I said, but Jesus goes a bit deeper than that. And he says, actually, that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. Have you ever, just maybe, you know, just maybe ever, ever looked at a woman with lust? Ever? well um, well uh, um, well. Um, anyway, um well, well, haven't we all he <laughs> went so I said yeah, well, quite okay, all right, so um, all right, so uh you know there we are, I so said, let's just have one last one. I said, i don't want to burden you too much, and, and obviously you don't feel the need of forgiveness, so let me just um let's, let me just touch this last one I said it also says that the Lord will not hold guiltless the man or woman who takes his name in vain. Have you ever said, oh my Okay, so I said, look, before you go on your way, you've just freely admitted to me that actually you are a blasphemous, adulterous murderer. I said, do you think that perhaps, perhaps maybe you need forgiveness now? You just haven't done it on the outside, but you have on the inside. You're guilty as charged. And God's just, God's view of you at judgment is based on his righteousness. None of us come up to the grade. We all need forgiveness. But this is the incredible good news. Christ died for our sins. Amen. Aren't you glad he did? And it's not the end of the story because he was raised from the dead and his resurrection substantiates everything he said about himself because he prophesied his own death. He prophesied his own resurrection. He died the wages of sin is death. The evidence that God accepted his sacrifice in our place is that he was raised back to life so that every sin was paid for, that every human being who would believe in him and receive Christ as their savior could be forgiven and have a new life amen it's good news folks it's good news and that's the word of the gospel by which we're saved amen but this same word not only saves us on the inside but will heal our bodies too this man this centurion says lord i'm not worthy but just say the word only and my servant will be healed. I too am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go. And he goes to another one, come. And he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. He the Lord, just say the word only. And my servant will be healed. He recognizes Christ's authority. The amazing thing is Jesus had already said that he would come and heal the man's servant. But this tells me something of with the great esteem that God holds Faith in. Because when the man said to Jesus, you don't have to come to my home, just say a word only. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, changed the way that he would heal the servant based on the faith of the centurion. He says to him, okay. He says, just as you have believed, let it be done to you. At that moment, the Bible says that his servant was completely healed. This is still happening today, all over the world. It's been happening in Cambridge this week. People have been healed by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the spoken word of God. The word of God is all to do with the revealed will of God, and it's to do with the authority of God. And the power of the Holy Spirit goes to bring that authority to pass. When God speaks, he changes the circumstances of your life. When God declares something, all of creation has to bow before the will of the creator. When he says something, things change. Amen. I can remember, uh, how many people have ever heard of this or the, the National Front and all those kind of people? Okay, well, just a, a couple of years ago, well, it's now five years ago, we were down in, um, I was living in Telford at the time. And I can remember that uh, in Wellington in Telford, there was, um, there had been, it had been exposed that uh, in the Asian community, some, there was some, uh, you know, there was some paedophilia going on and there were some girls who had been um, groomed, I think is the phrase that they use, uh, you know, where where they were basically trafficking some of the white girls down in Wellington in Shropshire, and uh, there were some of the, the Muslim community, some of the guys there had, had trafficked these girls. Well, when this happened, some of the guys from the National Front, uh, from all around the West Midlands, were absolutely outraged and said that they were coming down on Wellington. They, they were named a particular Saturday, and there were thousands of them who were going to come down, and they were going to trash Wellington, and any any Asian person that they found, they were going to beat up or do whatever else. I, you know, it was a hugely over-the-top reaction, but that was this is what they were going to do and um, in the midst of this situation you know I mean literally I can remember that week the whole of Wellington was being boarded up all the shops were being boarded up police from all over the West Midlands were being summoned into coming and all that I, we were just a new church plant but I remember I gathered the guys together and I just said right we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to turn, we're going to turn this thing around and so we gathered together and we prayed and I'll never forget it in the midst of the prayer meeting um, you know I, I can remember the spirit of God suddenly fell on me and there is a time you know we, we declare the scriptures out of our mouth but there is also a time when the spirit of God comes on you and you find yourself saying something by the word of the Lord that is the now word of God the now prophetic word of God and God looks for men and women who will intercede, who will pray, who will receive heaven's orders heaven's commands direct from heaven and speak that word out and it changes things in the earth and I remember I stood up suddenly in the midst of the prayer meeting and just suddenly declared, I felt the spirit come all over me and I declared there will be no march, everyone will go home. Nobody will be harmed. The whole thing will come to nothing and, and, and it'll all go home. It's just nothing's going to happen. I thought, mean, do you know what? At the end of the day, five guys turned up, hung around for about an hour and a half and all went home. That was the end of it. Nobody was hurt. No window smashed. Nobody touched. all the, None of the police had to turn up in the end. Everything got got changed. And you know, literally... Let me tell you this, there is power in the spoken word of God. There is power in the spoken word of God. And I I just got to tell you a quick testimony here from, um, I'm going to share this testimony that I just want to say something very quickly and briefly to the church to encourage you, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to come into land. Are you ready? Okay, fasten your seatbelt. There we go. This is it. Just to say this to you, you know, um, where healing is concerned, we were planting a church in the Ukraine near to Chernobyl, where there'd been that awful explosion. And I can remember there was lots of radiation around and, and we were church planting. And uh, we'd planted uh, one church. We'd gone out for 10 days to plant two churches. And uh, there was a revival going on in the Ukraine at the time. And so to plant two churches in 10 days seemed entirely feasible. And so the first one had been very successful. Lots of miracles, lots of salvations. New church was planted, still exists today. And then here we were going to a new area, very near Chernobyl. And as we went into this area, it was also an area where there was, um, uh, there was an army base. Um, And I remember we were out on the streets during the day, lots of open wounds and things like this because of the radiation levels. We're there, we're preaching the gospel. And in the evening, into a, a meeting like this, we invited everybody to come. But here, there's literally, you've got about this same amount of people who are gathered, but there's only about 10% of the people are Christians. Everybody else is, a, is, is not a Christian. And so the, the band, they did their songs, they did their worship, and then I'm introduced. And so I get up with the interpreter, I preach the gospel. In the middle of me preaching the gospel, let me tell you, they were not all ordered people like you are here. It's very nice in Cambridge, you know. And, but it wasn't like that at all. And so in the middle of me preaching, I suddenly get this huge Russian soldier who's about six foot five, all in his, his military garb, but he's drunk on vodka, which was basically the Russian government's response to, you know, the job losses, just give them all more, vog- more vodka, they all forget about it all, and so, so they have more vodka, and so here's this guy, he stands up there, he's drunk out of his brains, and he just, you know, he shouts at me, suddenly he stands up, and, uh, and he's shouting at me and challenging me in the middle of the thing. Well, I have to admit, that, that kind of thing gets me going, and... Um, So when he did that, you know, I I shouted back at him and I said to him, "I defy you to come down the front here. Let me pray for you, and you deny the power of God is real." Well, anyway, he got up and he started storming towards the front. Well, I'd issued the challenge, now I had to follow through. So I said, "Jesus, help!" You know, here we are. So so here comes this guy, and he comes up onto the platform, and I'm not kidding. So the platform's about twice the width of this, literally, of this building. And uh, of this part anyway. And uh, so I'm standing about here. He comes down. He gets up onto the, the platform there. And, um, and I'm about literally from there to there. And as he stands on the platform, thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's always ready. Because suddenly I felt clothed with power. From the presence of God. And I remember I, I looked at him and he's standing at me. He's going, ah, yeah, like this. He's got this bottle. He's got everything. And, and so I said, do you want to feel the power of God? He said, yeah. Like this. So I, said, I said, here it is. And the power of God hit him and threw him 10 feet off, off the platform. He landed in a crumpled heap on the floor. I suddenly heard some people down the front row who spoke English saying to each other, I'm not going on that platform. <laughs> like this, like this. But from that moment, we had everybody's attention including all the soldiers gave the appeal i mean these guys soldiers everybody coming forward giving their lives to christ god broke out in miracles it's just wonderful but in the midst of that there's a there's a dear woman you you talk about Um, Sometimes, you know, the power of God has an element to it when it comes into manifestation. The power of God has an element, depending on what the Lord is dealing with, has one side of the manifestation of God that is extremely strong and will, you know, that in being confronted by evil, will literally crush evil. Will crush evil with its power. The power of God will. There's no competition. You hear some Christians talk, you would think that there was some sort of an equality between the devil and God. Let me tell you, the Bible says, Satan will be destroyed just by the brightness of Christ's coming. Jesus literally just steps onto the scene. The enemy's rushing for cover. So, you know, Jesus is immensely powerful. And yet, there's this other side of complete tenderness and compassion. So in the midst of this highly confrontational demonstration of God's power, Suddenly this Russian mama comes to me, holding this little boy in her arms. He's asleep by now. It's getting late into the evening. Tears are pouring down her cheeks. And she presents him to me. And literally the whole calf, I'm not kidding you, but the whole calf of one of his legs is just eaten away by radiation. The whole muscle is gone. There's no muscle. There's no skin. It's just like an open weeping sore. There's nothing there. And she holds him like this, and she says to me, Sir, can you do something for my boy? I looked at her, and I, was, I said to her, Madam, I can't, but I know someone who can. His name is Jesus. I said, uh, let me pray for you. But as I went to pray, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this passage and said to me, speak the word only. And he gave me something to say to her that required faith to say, but whenever God says something to you, faith comes with the word. And so faith came into my heart to say it to her at the same time as the revelation of it. So I said to her, we don't need to pray. Go and take your boy home to bed tonight. And as you put him to bed, just put your hand on him and say, thank you Lord for healing my son. I said, then I believe that when he wakes up tomorrow morning, he will have a new leg. A brand new muscle and new skin. Please bring him to the meeting tomorrow night for all of us to see what God has done for him. The next night, as God is my witness, the very next uh, night, she returned with the boy. Now, if that boy had had plastic surgery, you would see something like a seal, some, a line or something like that. There was not even a trace. It was a brand new muscle. Brand new skin. Just totally recreated leg. And I can tell you, I can honestly stand here before you and say, let God judge me if I'm lying to you. Jesus saved me from lying. I never lie to anybody about anything. And I can tell you something, you know, God absolutely did that miracle. Just utterly astounding to see what he can do. I mean, there's healing and there's creative miracles. And Jesus does creative stuff as well as just healing people. Now, look, I I just want to say that to you, to give you hope and to give you faith today, that if you need a miracle from Jesus, you're in the right place. We can pray for you because God wants to heal you.
0: Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.